Wrong again, DMX. X isn't going to give you a hell of a lot on its time for a beer podcast, but this week's guest is the super special Hawthorne champion, AFL legend, Jared Ruffhead. Now, if you do enjoy reading or listening to books, Ruffy has just released a book, Ruffy the Autobiography, hardback, e-book, audio book. There's absolutely no excuse not to go out and get your hands on what is a marvellous read from an absolute champion bloke. But before we do get into the chat with Ruffy, which I must say, it's an hour and a bit long, but I think you'll enjoy it. Please give me a rating, five stars. As I've said, I don't actually know what it does. It's not bad for the ego. I mean, we're living in a pandemic. Anything to lift someone up, give them five stars. And I have said, if I do see the footy around Perth, I'll buy you a beer or a pub, I'll buy you a beer, or alternatively, I'll send you a nude. Now, the only issue with me sending you a nude... I've caused a bit of angst amongst a couple of households when the uh, the lady friends have got their hands on my rippling body, the abs, the glutes, the lot, the skin, the tone. So if I do send you the D, a P, please keep it away from the wife. I'm sick of being hassled by all the beautiful females out there. But in all seriousness, thank you very much for the support and please hit me up on socials if you do have a guest in mind that you'd love me to track down or chase. I've got a couple in the gun, ready to pull the trigger on. But please, as I've mentioned a few times, if there's someone you really want me to hunt down, shoot me a message on my socials and I will try my very, very best. Now, I usually have an opener for my guests, but I've stolen one off Fox Footy, so thank you very much. It includes Clarkson, Damien Hardwick, etc. Summing up this absolute champion guy, it goes for a couple of minutes. I usually try and trim them down, but I couldn't find any part of it to trim out of it. So please listen, and here comes Jared Ruffhead. As soon as you see them, you start smiling. He's one of those guys. He's a bit of a people's champion too, isn't he, Ruffy? I think the, the whole game just loved the guy. He's been an incredible ambassador for our game and the people within sport and, and cancer sufferers to boot. I've probably known it was coming for 12 months or so, but, um, you know, I I'm, guess I'm happy because I've been able to be here for 15 years. I've had a great time here. I've been able to do what not many people can do. And to say I've been at one club is something pretty special. It's worked out that it's very nice that I can be able to play this Sunday, but it wasn't like it was, you've got to play me, otherwise I'll crack the sads. As I said, I understood where the club's at and I'm, no, I'm not bigger than the club. The club's perfect, so... Um... <laughs> yeah, well, they're three minutes. <laughs> Didn't even last that long. Probably the thing that strikes me the most about him is just how he's been able to come back from a hell of a lot of adversity. It's not, I mean, the cancer one is obvious, and that was that was life-threatening and one that touched the hearts of us all. He's just so tough and resilient, and, yeah, that was just such a great example to the rest of his teammates. He never complained, he just got on with it. He played sore a lot, no-one ever knew, not even me. And the great beauty of him is just very, very selfless and uh, put the team ahead of himself so often throughout his, throughout his footy career. Can the skipper... Put them in front with anything. Good, long, straight kick. He does. He does. You drive out on the freeway every day knowing that you're coming here to work with, you know, 150 close friends. Everyone's been such a great part of this footy club and, and my time here. So I definitely will miss that because that's all I've known. I've never had a job since I left school. 
I've just come straight into this. We'll leave uh, a, a long legacy at this footy club for the contribution that he's made. Uh, that legacy will be on field, that legacy will be uh, off field, and it'll be with our supporters and the memories that they'll have. And that legacy will be with so many people that are sitting here, particularly so many of his mates who he's played a lot of footy with. That's right, it's time for a beer with Hawthorne <laughs> megastar, now St Kilda coach, Jared Ruffhead. How are you, mate? Hi, Xavier. How are you, mate? I'm going. Cheers. I'm yeah, cheers, mate. Melbourne bitter. Is that the uh, is that the go-to these days? We're in lockdown, mate. So I um I went and got nine different um, boxes the other day just to make sure we get through <laughs> this next six weeks if I'm home for that long. Nine different boxes. What is your go-to? What is your number one beer you love? I've got Melbourne bitter and um, Carlton Dry in the box next to me now. Normally, I'm a CUB boy, mate. So yep. none of this furfies or what have you got, Pacifico? No, nah, I'm a single fin man. I just know that oh, I, yeah. I know that I can have a certain amount uh, and at four thirty when my alarm goes off for work, I'll bounce out of bed like I'm an athlete. I just know. Gotcha. I, you know one of those ones that you just when you when you're in a hole and you've had a tough slog, you just know what's gonna get you out of jail. That that's my single fin at the moment. So nice choice. Nice choice. Do they come in cans? Yeah, they're cans as well, but I'm more of a, okay. I have a, I have a um, sort of a protocol I'm running at the moment at the bar. So it goes, I have the boxes of beer sitting behind the bar, then they go into the fridge and then they go into yeah. the freezer for a quick spritz and then, from, right. yeah, just to really chill them right up and then they come to me. And then as I grab the one out of the freezer, then I rotate, do the rotation policy. So mate, that's how I operate and uh, it, it seems to go well until I've had about 35 beers and I wake up and there's six still sitting in the freezer. That's when I know I've really yeah, topped yeah. up. That, well, that's... So I'm a little bit different. I'm I've got the beer fridge just with all cans because yep. now with kids, I'm really conscious of hard floor and glass breaking and yeah. everything like that. So cans, um, I find it much easier. Mate, good call. Hey, uh, before we get started, massive congratulations. Number two arrived safely uh, Tuesday week ago, I believe. So uh, little wheels in the world and everyone's happy and healthy. Yeah, mate, we're going really well. We weighed him today and he's already above birth weight, so that's a big that's a big win to Sarah. His belly button um, clip fell off today. Yep. So we were bathing him before and that came off. So, mate, it's, um, I'll tell you what, second time around, it's different because I had the nappies and whatnot down to a tee with Pippa, but now you throw in a, a, a different gender and different uh, genitalia and it's a little yes. bit harder than what I first thought. Well, the best thing is, so I'm, I've obviously got one on the way as well and we don't know what it is. And I'm nervous about, do you go front to back, back to front, sideways on a girl? Whereas the boy, you just get the nurries out of the way, wham, 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 and you're done, mate. It's, it's, it's a nerve-wracking experience learning how to do it on the opposite sex. Mate, I'll tell you, what, as I said, I had it down to a fine art with Kipper <laughs> and then just you throw a cat amongst the pigeons with this one. Oh, mate, no, congratulations. Sarah's going really well. She's good. She's really good. Where it's... Um, it's 10 to, 10 to 8 here, and all three are asleep. So they're, they're, we're just trying to catch up as best as we can. He slept really well the last few nights, but full credit to women, mate, when they've got to get up and breastfeed and, and keep these bubbles going. You offer, what can I do, what can I do? But you are, yeah. you're, you're, you're just a spare bottle of piss, aren't you? you you're no good to mate. anyone. <laughs> I, mean, I did three loads of washing yesterday, <laughs> hung it out, folded it up, did the bins, you know, with me, I'm a bit of a clean freak as well, so... Mm. Make sure I try and make sure the house is in order, but even still, you feel you don't feel anywhere near as up to their up to their standards what they're producing. That's for sure. Now, mate, we'll we'll, we'll go back to the start, uh, Lee and Gather days and stuff. But you did touch on being a clean freak. Is is that what you call yourself, or are you are you OCD? Uh, I think I've got some sort of 
um, tidiness or um, <laughs> issue going on with, you know, um, things in order and whatnot. Yeah. I, I reckon it's all come from when I first bought my first house, really. I was never yeah. really like that as a kid or never lined anything up. I was always in order. But when I, when I got my first house and worked out, right, this is mine and I want to make sure I look after it, I think yeah. that's when it kicked in. So, you know, I'd send Sarah to bed and then rub the suede couch the right way so it was all <laughs> looking perfect before... Before she, before I went to bed, and oh. color coordinate my cupboard, and it's um it, sometimes it's quite disturbing, but I reckon I've sorted it out. Mate, I remember, you I, remember, I remember some nights uh, you'd have us over at your place in uh, what suburb was it? Um, not in Burwood. In Burwood, and we we're young, young little whippersnappers or whatever, and um, I'd put my beer down or whatever, and it wasn't done before I knew it. You were wiping under the table, and the beer bottles were gone. <laughs> I'd, honestly, if we'd, we'd sit there and have a, a reasonable session and a good laugh. And you'd look up and you'd think you would arrived three minutes ago. The joint was always spotless. I absolutely loved it. I, unfortunately, hasn't hasn't spread to me. Because, yeah, if I'm having a few, I'm a bit of a pig usually. But um, I've, in, I've influenced you in other ways, though. You have absolutely. You have uh, being a good Gippsland boy. So let's head to Gippsland, mate. Lee and Gatha grew up on Roughhead Street or Roughhead Road Court. No, no. So Rough, Roughhead Street's got the footy ground. We were, and we keep, keep Roughhead Road very quiet because that's got the tip in it. Yeah, okay. Okay. Not it wasn't prime real estate, but um no It's still not prime real estate. But all tips, like Lakes Entrance, where the tip was, I'm pretty sure because it's got ocean views, they're eventually gonna just build over it and put a park in. So who knows, mate? It could be the number it could be prime loc when you when when you retire, that could be the number one street in town. Remember Warrigal Warrigal Footy Ground is built on a tip, so yeah. If you're saying prime real estate is the tip overlooking the ocean, then we're 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 every chance of getting some prime real estate back there. Hey mate, so Lee and Gatha, I was uh, I was silly enough to find Joel Selwood's school reports a couple of weeks ago. So I haven't found yours. But what what were you like as a kid at school? Uh, I'd think like most people you probably talk to on this podcast, exit a lot of the reports would say if he applied himself socially to <laughs> his schoolwork, then we'd have an A grade student on our hands. Now went for majority of my schooling life and you know when you come when you finish year 12 and you get your references or your you know your nice reports for whether it be going to uni or going to work I had one of the nicest references from my principal and careers teacher at the time so yeah. I reckon I've done something right but in saying that I was uh yeah mate laying out the secondary college I was able to wear casual year 11 and 12 so yeah compared to you who went to Melbourne Grammar and you know, you were living on campus and just living it, living it up in Melbourne. I wore the same jocks. I think it was five days in a row in year 12 because I couldn't do the washing. So actually, <laughs> this is what we used to do in year 12. The day boys used to do border bashings. So maybe there was 50 borders in our year, for example, and there might have been 200 year 12 students. And if they decided to turn on the borders, it was called a border bashing. And they'd just go to town on us. Like, honestly, just bash us. I'd hide behind Hawkins. He'd, rang, he'd wrestle a few and I'd jump in with a few cheeky knees or whatever. But what yeah. we used to do to the day boys upon revenge was we'd invite them back and pretend that we uh, were mates with them back to the boarding house. But where we did our washing, we'd put all our dirty jocks in like a little bag and then put the dirty jock bag in a big, massive tub for the cleaners to then take. Anyway, we'd get the day boys back and we'd jock them. We'd get them, we'd get them grab them and then throw them in the jock bin and tie them up. So all they had to do was swim around was with my crusty old dirty jocks. And of course... 
you can imagine a group of you know fifteen to eighteen year old boys. They weren't the cleanest. They weren't the cleanest things you'd ever I be can, diving into. I can imagine how proud you know teachers and whatnot must be that this is this is the most prestigious school in Melbourne, <laughs> and you're doing jock tie ups and border bashings at one, <laughs> one of the best schools in Melbourne. Oh no, it was good fun. But um, mate, Lee and Gather, did you absolutely? I knew you. Um, I think I remember. The first time I remember sort of meeting you, we crossed paths. You were always above me in basketball and that sort of stuff. But we, I, I remember you at a basketball uh, camp in Tarogan and you you were you're above. Was basketball an option or you just loved it? No, that was that's, that still is my first yeah. love, really, yeah. in terms of sport. I, you know, as growing up, as we know, mate, you're always outside, whether it be basketball, cricket, footy, um, tennis, mixed netball. I, I did a lot of mm. sports in Langatha. Um, but basketball, I gravitated to, and you know, I still watch NBA. The NBA bubbles back on now, and I'm watching oh, that great. every day. Yeah. Um, but I, I was like, I I was always out there with a the basketball before a footy, so I'd have the ring in the back and always shoot it. And, and as you said, we'd meet at camp, so I reckon it was a back in the day it was the academy camp. So we've got yeah. those t-shirts and the, the little pimple ball, and <laughs> um, we'd have the one mil foam mattresses that we'd sleep on the floor at Trelgan with. Um, and have a two-day camp. So, I, um, mate, if, I remember those days better than some because they were, you know, great weekends that we'd have at basketball camps. Were you, oh, were you better than Scott Penderbury? All over here with Scott Penderbury was um, he was the Le- LeBron James of Australia. Do you reckon you had yeah. Pendles done? Did you have Dipper beat? I never. If you go and have a look at all his runner-up trophies, guess who's got the winner? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I had him. Just say I had him. No, no. Well, my team had him. That's for sure. Yeah. Okay. That's funny. When I was doing some research um, on you today, just trying to find some audio, Scott Penderby speaking uh, about you. He said he didn't like you, particularly as a mm. y- as a youngster, because you guys were simply better than Sale. So I'll take that as it is. But um, did you get any offers for the AIS or anything? Because you w- footy was not late for you, but. You, you were balancing both pretty evenly for a long period of time. Was it like um, AIS or um, come to Melbourne or anything like that? We were playing. We were playing in Melbourne all through 2002 um, for Danny Nong in the you know Friday nights. But yeah. that's where you probably lose the passion as well because throughout 2002 you're travelling to Melbourne on Wednesday nights, Friday nights to play, Wednesday nights to train, and then. Um, Saturday nights for, or Sunday morning, sorry, to train as well. So at 16, 17 years old, when you're missing out on all weekends back home, whether it be, you know, 16th, 18th, um, <laughs> look at you, 16th, 18th, um, you know, you, you kind of lose the drive and, the, and you understand too that, you know, basketball is so small in Australia and you've got to be very, very good to make it. I was six foot, you know, three or four at the time. And I was lucky that Lee Gather um, had just signed Andrew Dunkley and Paul Hudson at the start of 2003. And that's when I kind of said to the old man, oh, look, I'm keen to throw basketball in. Um, and he goes, well, I'll coach your fourth, which was under 16s at the time, footy side. So that's what uh, that's when that's when I decided that was enough. Did you love that you've, you've been in Melbourne and Hawthorne and you've seen the good side of the city, but did you really love the country? Oh, still do. Yeah. And right now in lockdown, like I'd love to be back there. Um, we didn't grow up on a farm or anything like that, but we had mates that, you know, were dairy farmers and you'd be out there or even still now when we go back and see family or even Sarah's parents are in the next town, we, uh, they've got a, a nice big open area and the kids run, run free. And, you know, that's, this, that's what you miss in Melbourne because you don't have that. 
I mean, we were talking <coughs> earlier today and how many times, whether it be Perth or Melbourne, do you slow down to allow kids to get their wheelie bin or oh. off the middle of the oval, off the middle of the street or, you know, you go down the park and you just see your kids kicking bananas and snaps all day. It just doesn't happen anymore. Well, that's my theory and I probably am well wrong, but I don't reckon the kicking in AFL is anywhere near what it used to be. And I reckon, when was the last time you saw a kid in the middle of the road? You know when you were growing up as a kid, you had to hit your target in the street, you had to avoid the car that came around the corner and you were still aiming to keep between the driveways that you were having a set shot at. Like it was... In, but you never yeah. see it anymore. And uh, that's my little gripe in terms of kicking. I just don't reckon the kids do it anymore. They do their Oz kick or whatever, but they don't anywhere near do as much kicking as we would have as kids. But I think they're made professional too early, mate. Like you think yeah. of how many kids are given programs at 14, 15, 16. Like they don't have a chance to grow up. So mm. that's what I feel sorry for. Because you're going to, by the time all their, I suppose, warts get taken off and their, you know, their wrinkles get ironed out, there's no real person anymore they're told what to say they're told what to do at any given time and you don't actually find out if they're smart asses like you or not yep yep 100 percent. now it's funny you've sort of said warts and it's not a direct <laughs> sort of if a sort of angle towards myself but i want to take you back to uh when i was an under 16 and Lockie sims was our coach at gibson power yeah and um i was invited to come play up towards the end of the year as the under-16, which I'm sure you would have done the year before. You were, you were draft age. And I remember Lockie um, had an angry streak in him as a, as a coach. And it was my first game, and I was nervous as nervous. I was absolutely shitting myself. And Lockie Sims turned and um, was not, not giving it to him, but, like, you know, revving me up and, you know, da-da-da-da-da. And I was eyeballing the coach, eyeballing him, like, I'm going to fucking give you the world today, Lockie Sims. And I felt a hand sneak around from behind me and pinched me on the end of the doodle as I was trying to, <laughs> as I was trying to eyeball the head coach in my first under-18s game. And I've turned around and your cheeky smile, I still remember it like it was yesterday. You giggling away, the teeth were out. And I thought, oh, you absolutely... But I, that's what I needed. I was so stressed about playing up in under-18s to see you giggling away and having fun. There's not too many games of footy you didn't have fun in. Nah, <laughs> yeah, but there's times too where I was so serious, and that's why I went wrong. Is that you have to, for so long, you got to remember that you love the game for how much fun it is, and you know, seeing the smiles on boys' faces. And yeah. I was no different the year before. We played. You're talking about playing underage. We played. Um, I reckon it was the Murray Bushrangers team who were on fire. We got beat by 120 points. Yeah, and I'm playing against Mundy and Tenace and Riley Dunn and Delidio playing in that team, but. Because Gippy Power were no good, you didn't have anyone that could look after you or make it fun because yeah. they were getting smacked every week. So I remember we lost that prelim by, I reckon, 10 goals, but they're still some of the – you know, I was only only played Gippy Power one year, but I think you got the flag the next year and then came to us. But, um, oh, mate, some of those times and trips to Mall or mm. bus trips to Melbourne, they're some of the greater memories you have as kids, aren't it? I've, you know? got, um, I've got Dale Thomas coming on in a, in a couple of weeks or a few weeks. <laughs> And I still remember we won in our under-18s year, so we were 17. Uh, and we had to go watch the, the prelim or the knockout final before the prelim. Um, so we had the week off. And we decided we were all going to meet in Druin or something like that. Yeah, and, middle, that's Druin's the middle, I reckon. Yeah, and Paul Hudson was like, our coach was like, righto, boys, we're going to get together. We're going to um, put a big fire on, maybe put a bit of meat on the barbie, have a beer or two if, you, if you're of age, da-da-da. Before I knew age, it, yeah. before I knew it, yeah. We were um, on a motorbike and we had the air rifles out 
and we'll pal- shooting people with pallet gun, like shooting them with pallets <laughs> as they rode through on a motorbike, and then we all turned yeah. up the next day bruised and battered to to yeah. watch to watch the under 18s to see who we're going to play the next weekend. I mean, we're lucky someone didn't fall off the motorbike or lose an eye to the pallet guns. Um, mate, some of the stories that you and I would have from our <laughs> nights out, whether it be weekends <laughs> off or anything like that, <laughs> we should have got in a lot more trouble. <laughs> it's funny, um, mate. So. Uh, I had a I threw out on Instagram. Uh, you might have seen uh, any questions for for Ruffy. Uh, hit me up now. Um, uh, someone f- uh, called Josh wrote back to me and said, um, <clears throat> "Just wondering whether you've um, changed your underpants from the night at the AIS when Costa Zoo came in to box oh, your you, yeah. when right. Costa Zoo yeah, came no, to no, box your ears in." Josh, who's who plays for West Coast, he's been pretty good. Josh Kennedy reckons when yeah. Costa Zoo banged on the door because you were so loud, you jumped in the cupboard and hid. Is that true? As an under seventeen, I didn't hide it. No, so this, the story goes: <laughs> we were um, the AIS had they had the camp at, at Canberra. Costa Zoo was training, I think, for the Ricky Hatton fight, which um, was arguably Australia's biggest boxing fight ever. Now we're sixteen-year-old kids. Yep. we're all from across Australia. You're 16 year old kids. So once you get in camp and you start rooming with each other, you keep each other up, you're, you're loud, you're whatnot, you're this, you're that. Got to about 10 o'clock and someone had come in and said, Look, the rowers are up soon. Can you just keep it quiet? Yep. So, yeah, well, you know, it's a rowers, really. It's a non event sport. Yep. Um, we keep going a little bit later. In the next minute, <laughs> Kostya Zoo walks into our room swinging his chain like this. He's got a little <laughs> necklace chain that he swings and he looks at us. And he goes, I'll give you 30 seconds to get to bed. <laughs> now, I remember there was Josh Kenny, there was myself. I reckon Bud was there. Yep. There was another guy, Brian Jackson. We have just whoosh, straight to bed and any crack, whether it be wind on the door, anything, mm. we just, we, like, you're scared. You're just so scared because this bloke's doing knuckle push-ups on the road. Yes, that's crazy. So we're watching him train. Then the next day, I think Jackson asks, he goes, mate, do you mind if I get an autograph? He's like, nah, you kept me up. I'm not doing this. Someone from the back yells out, Hope Hatton knocks you out. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure enough, Ricky knocked him out in that fight. Yeah, so, good night. Um, it is one of the, you know, we've kept an Australian. And Terry Wheeler, who was a coach, he walks in, he goes, look, I've had, you know, you've, I've had groups keep me up, but you've, boys, you've got a, you've got a world, you've put a world champion on me. You've, fought, you know, it's just like, mate, we didn't mean this. <laughs> JK reckons uh, he wrote in the, um, in a message today and said, um, Terry Wheeler said, boys, I've got the, I've got control of your careers in my hands, and he reflected it was you, Franklin, Delidio, <laughs> Kennedy. <laughs> So he's, he's looked after those ones. And he's like, well, um, yeah, you got the career in my hands, but I mean, you, you're not really stopping the top five draft picks from getting drafted, regardless of what Costa Zoo does to the mob. But um, yeah, so so I can confirm you didn't hide in the cupboard. No, mate, I was, I was, if not there, I I led from the front and said, yes, Mister Zoo, we'll go to bed. Okay, and you can't say the boy, you can't say the boy from Geraldine's like. Well, he, he reckons yeah. you you were hiding, and he was he was wearing Costa's spit in the face. So we'll uh, we'll, we'll leave that for a, another day. Um, pick two in the national draft, Hawthorn. You you were one of those players um, from my memory and recollection was a, a late uh, a late charge to pick two a little bit. Like you're always, you know, first round, then top ten, then 
you know, the week before the draft. Shit, this bloke's um, highly talented. He, he could be a pick two. Uh, is that how it went? It just sort of momentum and momentum and momentum and form led you into pick two? Yeah, I, I, mate, I had no idea I was going to get drafted, really. I was all lucky that I missed the under-16 nationals yeah. uh, with a broken collarbone. I was lucky enough to make that the AIS um, squad, played a couple of games, um, and then went back and played Gippy Power all year and played, played started off as defence, ended up playing forward for the rest of the year. Um, and ended up having an okay year, I thought. I played the Nationals in 18s, didn't really do much there. But as the year went on, um, you know, you have a few more meetings and stuff like this. But I, I said it, um, I've, I've told people a story where the night before the draft, Richmond had rung me and said, we're going to take it pick four tomorrow. And, you know, that was a school, my school graduation where out I've told my grandparents, everything like that. And, yeah. um, you know, that changed pretty quick within 18 hours. The um, is this story true, or from what you've heard? Uh, Gary Bacanara was re- recruiting manager then, and <clears throat> Richard Tambling was high on the board, and that they uh, the recruiting managers wanted Richard Tambling. Uh, they saw him as a future Brownlow medalist, and Clarko, being in his first year, had his um his sort of uh, oval set up and said, "I just want two keys. I just want to start with two keys." and I'll fix everything around that, but two keys and nothing else. And they went at it on draft night over UV, Richard Tamley? From stories that I heard, I heard um, Richie was staying with Bucky the week, either of the draft or before. Yeah. Um, And from what what I've heard, yeah, I think they were were keen on Tamley and they thought they might have been able to get one of the other tools um, in there as well. And then I think Adam Patterson was the third if, if it didn't play out the way that they wanted it to, Adam Patterson was the third tool. So, yeah. um, but if you laid all the cards out, it, per, it played in Hawthorne's favour as, as perfectly as they wanted, what they wanted. Yeah, and I think that was, um, you know, not an untold story, but that was Clarko saying, yeah, when you when you think of a young coach that hasn't really had the experience of, um, you know, the, the experienced senior coaches who come back, saying, I don't give a shit who you draft. Oh, we're just going two tools. We're going two keys and we'll work around that. I mean, it's worked it's worked pretty well for him. And the bloke that was drafted next to you, obviously, is Buddy Franklin. What did you think of Bud pre-draft? And um, what what the relationship now, you two, is thick as C's best mates. But hey, what was it like getting, getting around Bud early days? <laughs> Um, so I, I met Bud under 16s initially at the um, AIS and whatnot, and we actually got along on house, with like a house on fire. There was him, myself, JK, Mitch Morton, and Delidio who um, all got along really well. And then you know Bud at the time came across, and um, he, he for some reason he slipped, and I don't know how. Like, yeah. Looking back, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but um, there was doubts and queries on him. And so when he got to pick five, I was sitting at the front of the draft and I turn around and look at him and he just, he winks at me like this after he's been picked <laughs> up at pick five. And you see it on the vision. So if you ever go back to the 04 draft, you'll see yeah. it clear as day. And, you know, and then two picks later, Geordie goes as well. Mm. And, you know, you came the year after. We we were a, a smart-ass bunch of three. I was probably the more quieter one out of the three, but they were very, very confident boys and probably the boys you wanted to be around at a footy club to help you get through, whether it be all three of us coming from, um, out of Melbourne and, yep. and living together and, and getting used to Melbourne life. But, mate, some of the stories that we've got of each other, like you you know a lot of them, 
um, you think, how, how are these boys 17, 18 years old playing AFL for you doing the stupid <laughs> shit that they're doing? The um, Was there ever a time where um, either you, Bud, or Louis maybe cock something up big enough where you go, oh, I might just fucking leave them out of this one? Or you three were like the musketeers, thick as thieves. I think there was times where we tried as best as we could to try and look after each other. But mate, I remember there was times where we'd, we'd look in the, um, you know, we'd have to look at each other and say, tell the truth. And, you know, Jordy and I tell the truth. And you'd say, bud, did you tell? Yeah, 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 I did. And then you hear two or three years on down the track, it's like, bud, did you tell the truth? And you hear Hodgie and Mitch who are in the leadership group go, Oh, gee, he just lied through his teeth. <laughs> one of my funniest ones, and I don't know, it just sparked my memory then, was I think we played on maybe a Friday night, early days, and we got the chocolates. And Bud had a um, dispute at CQ, and I think a drink might have stumbled from... <laughs> I was there that night. I was so, next to him. So I wasn't there. Anyway, and we've woken up, and there's a bit of hoo-ha in the media, and you know, Buddy Franklin's um, splashed a drink on someone... Da, 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 da. And everyone started panicking, like, oh, what a cock up, you know, Flacco's going to go bunter. And I remember my phone rings, and it was you. What are you doing, mate? You feel like a drink? I was like, I was a Sunday morning. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I can, oh, yeah, what, what do you want to do? He goes, oh, well, Bud's had a rough, rough night. We're just going to have a few drinks. <laughs> so before we know it, we're down at your place in, Bur- in um, what's it, sub- yeah. that suburb again, sitting out the back, and, um, Bud's sitting there as cool as I've ever seen. He goes, mate, she, she, I was like, oh, mate, don't tell it to me. It ain't my problem. I ain't fighting your fight. But sure enough, uh, away they went. That was bloody funny. Now, um, so you got you guys came in and started playing good footy early. But we'll, we'll start in uh, 07, 08, where finals. 07, uh, I remember thinking we're going to win the flag. And I don't know whether that was um, young cockiness, arrogance, and a bit of a smart arsey in us all. But um, we didn't. But then we go to 08, and you and Bud became Batman and Robin. I still remember the Herald Sun, Batman and Robin, Batman and Robin. You would have been 21. Wow. Both of you would have been 21. What was it like riding that train of um, – how many guys did you kick that year? Bud obviously kicked over 100. You would have been in the 80s? Oh, I think it was, yeah, mid-70s. 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 What was it like being 21, and the talk yeah. of town is these two 21-year-olds? Oh, mate, to be honest, we it, it was – he was the superstar and he still is. Like, yeah. we're now – what is it, 12, it's crazy, 12 years it? later. He still is He still is a superstar. Now, we were – we went on a, a streak there. I think we won first eight or nine or – yeah, no, yeah. I reckon we did. We and lost then, the Bulldogs. And then the bullies got, the bullies got us in Tassie. Yeah, yeah. And we got on a fair run. I think, But he, we, as a whole side, were coming off – you know, so the hype of 07 was huge. And then you throw in the way that we're playing in 08, Bud's on fire. And in a sense, a lot of us, not just me, but a lot of us were riding shotgun to him. Yeah. If if he was the, the barometer in our side. Um, and yeah, we were probably, we were 21 and, and stupid. And, you know, we weren't as dedicated and professional as what you should be at that age. But at the same time, we were playing good footy and, and enjoying what was um, Melbourne life. He kicks 100 and... 1380, I think that year. So he's nearly 200 shots on goal. <laughs> and I, I think I had 70, 75, 50. So between the two of us, we've had nearly 350 shots on goal in, in a year. <laughs> At the age of 21. Um, and, 
And then you thought, mate, but mind you, Willow and Cyril both. Yeah. Like Willow, yeah. Willow kicked 40 or 50 and Cyril kicked a goal a game. Yeah. So between four of us, we've had, you know, nearly 500 shots on goal. Now, if you had four <laughs> blokes have that now, it, it's it's unbelievable. And for all of us to do it, you know, Cyril was in his first year, Bud and I 21 and Willow was, um, you know, he'd come off two 60-goal seasons. It was yeah. not a bad formula. The, um, you mentioned Cyril, so I'm going to run with something uh, around the 2008 finals. Um, we uh, we have the week off. I've said yeah, but I've said it a few times on this podcast. Um, when we were young, if we had a night out or had some fun, our Monday training session was a sharper training session as you'll oh. ever 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 see. And I think Clarko was happy that we were bonding on a Saturday night or doing what we we're doing. And then come Monday, rain, hail, shine, it was as sharp as... I wish some of those sessions were like videoed and you could show people today as sharp as you'll ever see because you had the guilt of, if we cock this up, Clarko's going to nail us. But yeah. we, we're obviously Man. reasonably good that year and the youngest team or second youngest team in the competition. And Clarko, I still remember, and the leadership group stood up and said, we had the weekend off, we won the first final weekend off, da-da-da. And they stood up and said, look... Um, not big on people going out, but I don't want to change your routines. We aren't changing routines here. You know, if you've whatever you've done to, to get us in this position, we've we've got a home prelim. Don't change. That, that's us. Anyway, so we um, we turned up to your place. Uh, there was only I'm about- doing a working bed now. Plant the CD. I'm doing a working bed at home. Yeah, you got, so it, you got everything. I'm doing there. my front garden. I've yeah. got a bobcat in the house. Yeah, and. <laughs> I've finished the working beat. So, you know, I've, it's not like I've just got home from a Saturday morning session. It's like, right, let's get no, no. straight into it. Let's... No, no, no. Well, you, you worked oh. hard and you earned an ale. Anyway, yeah, so, we've, so we've turned up to watch uh, the Western Bulldogs, whoever was playing, and yeah. um, we were told that we were allowed to do what we usually do, just don't go out, dot it up. Keep it under wraps. We don't want any trouble. Now, we got into a, um, a situation where we'd had enough that we're having a good time that the Bobcat... Um, the bobcat that was parked <laughs> in your backyard uh, became a, an instrument of uh, a bit of fun and pleasure, didn't it, Ruff? Well, we had to tell you, the boys were trying to work out how they're going to how to drive it. Now it's not that easy. The bobcats are quite difficult to steer <laughs> and manoeuvre. So, <laughs> so we have we <laughs> we have, and it was Cyr- Cyr- Cyril. It was Cyril. You, me, Cyril, Stokesy. Yeah, was. I don't know if Geordie was there. Bud might have been. There, there might have been a couple of come and goes. Yeah. Birch? Birch? But quite possibly. Yeah. Birch. That, that, <laughs> anyway. that were the four bobcatters I remember. Yeah, same. Same. <laughs> so in in the end, we're sitting in a we're sitting in a garage with a bobcat in it. And Cyril's trying to drive it out of the down the street. <laughs> off, so, we go, off we go on the bobcat. <laughs> if we got caught on a weekend off. <laughs> We would be in some serious trouble. Driving a bobcat through the streets. And I remember someone, a pack of ciggies rolled out from somewhere. And I'm not I'm a non-smoker. You're a non-smoker. But here I am with a, with a dart in your mouth <laughs> sitting on the back of a bobcat through the streets. We tried to feel like real tradies that night, didn't we? We did. I don't know what got into us. But um, I remember thinking, like, if Clarko just let us go out, we, this wouldn't have happened. We're driving a bobcat, no. smoking ciggies at the time no. of our life. 
Mind you, how sharp was the training session first again, week of prelim? Again, again, and then prelim we knocked St Kilda over by 10 goals or something. So uh, there is something in that, honestly. Do you, do you think that it has got a bit too serious? Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. I, mate, we, in the day of social media and, and how easily stories can get out or people find out where you, where you are, it's too hard. So, you know, we... I, mate, still, whether it be last year or the year before when I was coming to the end of my career, Monday Monday mornings you'd have to be training top-notch because you know you didn't want to yeah. let people know you're on the source all weekend or had got in tra- or, you know, had just not been as dedicated as maybe what you should be that weekend. But in saying that, you still have to live. Mate, we're oh, now, when they're both retired and, and, you know, everyone always says, gee, you sleep better when you're retired or, gee, you, you know, you don't stress as much as what you probably should. So, at the end of the day, we've probably got to take that mindset in that, geez, footy, you've still got to be human and enjoy life as well. Yeah, and I think that is, that's the important part. Is And I think with Simo, who I had from Clarko, uh, was you, you do your job well, you, you you can live a normal life. If you And I think the balance in the AFL at times is that you look at those teams that are shit house and they, they haven't got the balance right. They, they, they don't train hard enough or they train hard, then have a weak blowout. It, it, the balance is definitely not right, but... I think that went a long way to building um, camaraderie amongst the group as well. And as you'd know, yeah. you, you leave the game and, mate, you've got hundreds of mates. And I, I, they weren't just built on a footy club on game day, were they? Nah, nah. The best times, as you know, are normally the mad week, the week the week after you, or the <laughs> celebrations you have after each win. Yeah. Um, trips away with blokes, road trips away. And, and you know, we always, we both enjoy having a beer, but a lot of the times too, when you're all together having a beer is when you have the best fun and you work out and, and get to know everyone on that real level. No one's really being fake and you're not just ticking the boxes, just saying, yep, I've done recovery, or I've weighed myself. It's like, no, nah, no, nah, well, let's find out about each other. Yeah, 100%. Now, mate, you were, um, I still remember a chat that was up in, I think it's called the War Room maybe at Hawthorne. I can't remember, I haven't been there long yeah. enough. Uh, and Clarko spoke about um, read the we win the 08 premiership wham bam thank you ma'am but then I remember not long after Clarko speaking of um, obviously doing the math in his head you're you're 21 uh, Bud's 21 Louis 22 Birch is 20 you're 20 you're 20 Cyril's 20 uh, 19 um, and, and even Sam Mitchell and Hodgie weren't old like the financial side of things can you remember that meeting where Clark had laid it out that um, you're worth a lot more than what you're going to get. Can you remember that chat and the, yeah. the, the commitment you guys made to each other that, yep, I'm probably worth 20%, 40%, 50% for some, I'm sure, more, but um, and the fruits of a premiership, which didn't come for a long time after uh, 08, 09, uh, was well worth it. Can you remember that chat? Yeah, I do. It was, it was in, um, in Portsea, I reckon. Yeah. I reckon uh, there's there about 10 to 12 of us there. You mentioned all those names. Um, and it was Clarko, uh, Ian Robson, who was the CEO at the time. And basically, as you said, you know, if you take a little bit less now, boys, you're going to all be, you're going to one, all stick together, and two, you're going to hopefully taste success and you're probably going to make it up on the back end of your yeah, career that's right. now. You know, hindsight, again, wonderful thing. Um, they got that one right. And, you know, mind you, there's, We've all had offers um, to go elsewhere and, and stuff like that. But when you mentioned all those names, we all stuck together. And it wasn't as if anyone got tipped out. We were 
you know, in a sense, we were lucky. Well, not lucky, but when Bud got the, the Godfather deal and he couldn't refuse, yeah. him leaving allowed us to get Chip, allowed us to get McAvoy, um, allowed us to get a couple of other pieces. And without that, who knows if we would have won three in a row. You know, we were lucky to win two, but um, do you mind the not, sacrifice. Do you mind not winning the third? Fourth? No, the third in a row. I mean, you could have left that one on the table just for yeah, those, that, just, just for those yeah, but battlers, that, those battlers the in third, WA. The third in a row. The third in a row is the fourth. Yeah, no, me, yeah, so. I, I know that. But like, could you just like park <laughs> park the third in the row? Gone. Look, I've had enough. Like, give the WA boys a go. No, uh, but hold on. I've watched your press conference before too, and you saying, "Gee, I'd love to knock them off." Oh, geez, was maybe one of the, was maybe one of the. <laughs> The well, motivating factors too. No, nah, I have on good authority. Clarko called me a fat stop, uh, a fat traffic policeman, a fat traffic policeman in a meeting. I mean, how dare he call me a policeman? I <laughs> uh, mate, I remember clear as day. You're in the press conference. It's just like, oh, how good would it to be a premiership player at two clubs and beat Hawthorne? And it's just like, yep, that's me. I'm going to be known as that. No bullshit. No, because uh, the only <laughs> other person who was there was like some story about. I think one other person in the history of the game had won a flag and then went to another club and then knocked that club over or something, something like that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shit, that could be pretty good. Um, but it turns yeah. out we, um, we got made, made foolish. And um, thank God for GWS last, week, last year because we, we weren't the most embarrassing grand final performance in the last decade. But, uh, mate, your three flags, is there a favourite? Three in a row, sorry. Or we can include, we can include 08. <laughs> no, no. I was there for the 08 one, so I sort of don't count that because I know the, the memories. I was there for 2013, didn't play that year, but uh, is there a favourite? Is there one that sticks out for you that you think um, the memories there were, were brilliant? Um, yeah, for me, the 14 one is the one that means, well, not the most, but is the one that you're most Memorable. proud of because yeah. we, lose, we lose that one in 12. You play that one, unfortunately... Your calf has got more needles in it than a schnitzel. Um, <laughs> we uh, we get a chance to play against a team that beat us two years later. Yeah, and they pinched our best player. They were on top of the ladder, um, and to be able to beat them as we did, I don't think we've ever played um, as good a footy as a side. Then other than that day, no, it was um, I was at uh, Eastern Woods Place in Richmond, and at about. 15 minutes into the second quarter, I was like, nah, I'm going to the ground. I just want to be there. So I packed up and then I went to your after party at Crown. Down, there yeah. was like a downstairs area. And yeah. you had to have your name on the door. And I got there early. Someone invited me. I was invited down. But I didn't have my name on the door. So I just went through as Kyle Cheney. I was like, yeah, Kyle Cheney, mate. And the bloke on the door was like, yeah, no worries, Kyle. Here's your, here's your voucher and your, your, your wrist tag and all that sort of stuff. Anyway, Ike was in there with them and um, we're having a few drinks and... I was over the moon for you guys. I was so thrilled. Uh, and then Hodgie came over to me and said, um, Zave, did you come down as someone you're not meant to be? Are you meant to be here? I was like, oh, mate, yeah, as it sort of, I was half invited and, um, you know, I'm here as Kyle Cheney. And he goes, mate, can you get the fuck out? Kyle Cheney can't get in. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Like, I was invited. I've made a mistake. Anyway, I've done the, the frog march up the stairs at... Um, up the stairs uh, at Crown. Was, um, I know where it was. It was a cave at Atlantic. Yeah, the cave. Yeah, downstairs. So I've done the frog yeah. march up and I grabbed him and I was like, I was so embarrassed. Like, I was humiliated that 
you know, the captain of Hawthorne's kicked me out. Yeah. As I get up the stairs, there was about 15 blokes roaring at me like, oh, you're a dickhead, da-da-da. I, I, honestly, yeah. I was like, as I walked out, I was like, you can go away, you can get fucking... I was fuming yeah. at everyone. I was like, I've just literally turned up, I've supported you, I'm here for a bit, I'm not here to cause trouble. Anyway, the frog march out by Hodgie was the most embarrassing, belittling moment I've ever been involved in, and it was one of the, the best stitch up I've ever been involved in. You and I, you've had Hodgie on this podcast, and I, mate, like when he gives you the eyes and see, oh, act no, so you know. serious, you, you, know. you, you shit yourself. So, <laughs> mate, like, it, it, you can't, like, he's just, he's got this edge about him that when he wants to switch and make yeah. it look like everything's like serious and whatnot, it's just like, yes, Mr. Hodge, sorry, oh, Mr. Hodge. Because eight times out of ten, he's probably joking, but the two out of ten, he's not. He'll kick your ass if you go. You joke, oh, mate. And then, and then like the it? two out of ten that you think he's joking yeah you go back at him and then you realize he's being serious and you look like a big <laughs> yeah, he wants to kill you hey um yeah. did you have talking about rivals and hodgie um was one that me and grant virtual once spoke about get getting one night we're going to attack him because <laughs> we were sick of him <laughs> good smart that you did a two-on-one no, yeah no, no they, they, I was, we're going to send fat ass in first and then i was just going to come in over the top did you have any rivals in footy anyone that um even like the, I don't. You never really got stuck into anyone or anything like that. But anyone that used to have, um, good, you had good battles with, like a defender or someone who used to go, "Oh, this prick's got me three times out of three. Who did you enjoy playing against? <laughs> Harry Taylor got me eleven yeah. times out of eleven. I reckon. <laughs> um, he, uh, oh, mate, I mean, I really enjoyed playing against Geelong, even though yeah. I played like crap and yeah, um, and we normally lost those games. Being yeah. able to be a part of those games, whether it be against Geelong, Sydney, West Coast when they're up and flying. Like they're the games you want to be a part of and they're yeah. the ones you remember. Games against I don't know, not the, the lesser sides when they were when they're crap. Yeah. When Clarko would Irre- always irrelevant. Say, just cash in. Yeah, irrelevant. He'd just yeah. say remember remember that he'd just he'd say, Righto boys, Steve War used to make hundreds against Bangladesh. Yeah. Just cash in here if you can. Yeah. Um but the games against the, the good sides are the ones you remember because mate, playing in front of seventy, eighty thousand at the G is what you love. And and Joel, for Joel Selwood is one of my my close mates, and he used to fight and box on. And I reckon if they honestly put weapons on the field against Hawthorne, he'd grab one and use it on Mitchell and Hodge, no doubt. But he said he said during he said when I had him on, Hawthorne made him a much better footballer. And I reckon it's the same for a lot of the Hawthorne players, even though we lost a string of them. They they were, and I've been lucky enough playing a derby or two, but. It, it does not go close to the Hawthorne Geelong battles. Like they, they were a different. They, they were above some finals games, weren't they? I reckon if you if you got, I don't know the best. Say that game where Hawk kicks a goal after the siren, which is yeah. twenty twelve. I reckon yeah. on that yep. field, if you go in twenty years time on the field, I reckon there's going to be sixteen AFL Hall of Famers just at yeah. a stab. Yeah, there would be without a doubt. Well, easily. Like, easily. Enright, Enright, Chapman, Johnson, Harry, Harry Taylor, and, um, yeah, like there's five from Geelong straight away, and then you throw in Berglund, Hodgeball, um, Franklin, Rioli, uh, Lewis, and then you've got coaches, so Bomber and yeah. and Crawford. I mean Bomber and um, Clarker. Clarker. It's just like, well, you know, there's straight away. No, uh, it's it, it is. Um... Yeah, and at the end of the day, it'd be funny one day, and I'm sure it'll happen, that they get, you, they'll randomly be a Geelong Hawthorne function where you sit there and all of a sudden you go, 
which I think we do now, but like the people who used to, you know, Cam Mooney, who we used to love giving shit to, and uh, those yeah. sort of, you, you go, I could have a hundred beers with guy. He, he's a bloody good fella, yeah. and I've been playing poker online with Gary Ablett, who I still can't, you know, fathom that Gary Ablett. I've got his bank details because I keep paying him because he keeps winning. But it's amazing <laughs> that, you know, you build yourself up that if you had the chance to throw him off the top level of the MCG, you'd do it. But yeah. now they're like, they did the same as what we did, but it's, it's just a, an incredible um, connection and when relationship. when you think of it too, mate, you know, from 07 to 15, the, the two sides won seven of those flags. Yeah, no, nah, amazing. You, you mentioned and we spoke about the uh, Portsy trip and, and offers and stuff. Were you ever close to leaving Hawthorne? Never close. No, I, I got once. The closest I ever got was, um, I, I signed a deal. I reckon it was roughly around ten or eleven, and um, I agreed to the deal. And then I got a call, maybe a week later, saying, "Oh, just letting you know, there's a club that's come in and said that they'll double the deal." And I was yeah. like, "Right, do I have to move?" And they're like, "Yeah, you would." And you know, I wasn't in the position because of family um, situations and whatnot yeah. that I was ever going to leave. And yeah. um, funnily enough, um, Bud and Tippett ended up taking the deals that, that got offered. So <laughs> um, I can understand that they had a bit of a bank bankroll back then. Yep. Now, um, yeah, well, one was, one was very good in Bud and well paid and deserved. Kurt Tippett had a bloody good offer and a bit of a gravy train. And you know, I never, ever want to belittle or if you get an offer if someone says here's your money grab it and run like i think that's the best way to do it yeah yeah well now when we're you know we're 30 early 30s mate once you if you can get a deal that can set you up for life too you've got to at least look at it so i um i did my my uh contract at radio the first one i don't i don't that my first no manager no 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 Nah, I should. Right. No, I, no, I spoke right. to Cam, I spoke to Cam the other day actually. Um, your brother. It's and, my brother. Yeah, your brother. Yeah. yeah, I had a chat to him the other day about um, Perth stuff. But uh, my first contract, you'll laugh at this, <laughs> not knowing what to do. Uh, I went in. They offered me something, and I was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna come back with another offer." And I walked into the meeting with the um, the business, the business, you know, the content director yeah. and all that sort of shit. And I had three things I wanted to add to my contract. And they're like, what is it? I said, I want to be able to work on Triple M whenever I want because Triple M and Hit Network are the, under um, Southern Coastal Stereo. And they're like, yep. yep, done. I said, I want to be able to use the studio to do a podcast if I ever want to do one. They're like, yep, done. And uh, I took a deep breath and went, and I want $10,000 up front. And they said, yeah. <laughs> you want a signing bonus? And they said, yeah, done. I was like... Oh shit! <laughs> oh no! They've said done in within three seconds. Yeah, done. I was like, "Fuck! I have just <laughs> ruined that." What was I thinking? Until today, I go to bed going, "I wonder what I could have hit him up for." Because they said, usually when you ask for financial um, incentives or whatever, that it has to go through a chain. So yeah. the person in the meeting who's not even in charge of making these decisions, like, "Yep, done." Tick. Done. And I was like, oh, shit, what have I done in my life? Anyway, now now I'm just a soft, but that was my number one learning in life. Maybe don't come. Mate, uh, my plan is to hopefully be um, maybe a, a GM or a list manager one day of a footy club. Now, negotiating skills are key in this, yeah, part, in I, this area know, of this job. I know. And I know. You, you, my friend, I know. have... 
You've done bugger all negotiating. Oh, I know, I know. I, mate, I'm not a full... I'm, I was homeless for a year because I went jumped the gun. No wonder you're giving Gaz Jr. all this money. You're going all in straight away. Have you heard the story about Kyle Sandlands? Um, obviously, now I think he earns $10 million a year radio. Um, right. Uh, he started off with a ten grand bonus as well, did he? No, this is, this is serious. He was... Um, he went around, scattered around, was on bugger all money, and he said to our network... If I go number one, I think it was in Perth. If I go number one on the ratings, you owe me a million dollars. And at the time, they were sitting at third or fourth or fifth or whatever. Within six months, he was number one, and the um, our network signed him a million dollar check. Done. That's what he said. I'll, really? I'll get us to number one, and he was nowhere near it. And they said, "No, you won't." And he said, "Oh, a million dollars." And they. He backed, he backed himself in. A million dollars, and I went with ten grand. Right. Anyway, um, mate, I'll uh, I'll push on. I won't I won't keep you much longer. We've been going going for a little while, but, we, but we keep going. Are you sure? Yeah. Because I'm going to have to do a timeout at some stage and get another couple more stubbies. But, um, mate, I want to I want to touch on um, a period of your life, which it's bloody good we're sitting here because um, you know you, you've battled cancer and you've dealt with cancer. Can we? Can we talk about that? I'm, I'm sure yeah. you, yeah. Um, no tell us about the prior and when you realised that you, you've got cancer. Um, obviously, melanoma and stuff, it's, it's, a, it's, it's serious, it's, it's significant. Uh, you went from one day being a healthy knockabout country boy who loved a beer to this is dead set serious. Can you remember the day? Yeah, so uh, the first one um, is obviously my lip where, you know, I smile now and, it's all it's all good. Just here. Yeah, you got a little slit there. Yeah. Yeah. There's a it just um there was a blister there, mate. And you know, you and I are both fair skin. Um not great with the sun and mm. there's a little blister just there. But with what's different with mine, um, you know, the normal um say melanoma on your back or your leg spread, you know, across your back or your leg. Mine mine grew like a carrot, so it grows down in yep. my lip. So when um, when I found out, he said, right, I'm, and I've got a wonderful, or I had, I've got a wonderful um, skin specialist who's a plastic surgeon as well. So he took, he did this, um, and I'll, I'll tell you a story about that in a minute. But he said, right, we're going to take out a quarter of your bottom lip. Now, I'm 20, what am I, 28 at the time when this happens. Um, was Sarah locked initially, away? Initially, you're a little bit, was, was Sarah locked away? Uh, I reckon we were in, 15, we were engaged. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. So we um, we'll have the surgery, um, everything gets done. And, and as I'm in surgery, you know, you've, you've had a couple of ops. You, you normally see the surgeon in the corner on the computer just before you go to sleep. Yep. Now, I, I look at him and I say, oh, you're just looking at the scans to work out where you're going to cut around and all this kind of stuff. He goes, no, 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 no. I said, what are you doing then? He goes, oh, I'm just working out my playlist. <laughs> so... <laughs> When if you ever have surgery, when you see the doc in the corner, he's normally working out their playlist of what he's going to play yeah. the songs during surgery. Yeah, no, I had so, a, a heavy metal guy, and he used to wear a mask over in Perth with like a skeleton, like a joke at like a death, and he listens to death metal full on. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I was lucky. My um, Arnold, my uh, plastic surgeon, he did. Uh, he was Coldplay that day. So oh, no, number one for me in the world, Coldplay. Yeah. So. Um, he's, he's done a wonderful job, um, with what he, with what he's got. Like it's not an oil painting here, but he's made me look semi, semi reasonable. But, but and also then, you and I, we, 
you wouldn't give a fuck, would you? It's just like, just fix it. Like, you know, in, in, when you think about it, just, just, just fix it. Mate, we'll move, we'll move on. And then, um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, we get, like, I get back. We, we obviously play you guys in the grand final in 15. Yeah. Um, we get married in 16. You're there at Rip and Lee. We have a Ripper night. And then, yeah, I, I have a PCL Rico, I think, a couple of days later after we get married. And then I almost get back to getting to play. We, um, we get back to play. I was hoping to play George 250th, which was in Brisbane at the time. And yeah. Then, um, yeah, the Monday, I just had a routine scan. And the Monday I walk in and my oncologist lets me know that we're in a bit of trouble. When you say you're in a bit of trouble, what what, what does that mean to you? Like in, in a bit of trouble in terms of more surgery, in a bit of trouble in terms of you might have to have some chemo. What does it what does it mean for for someone with um you know cancer who says you might be in a bit of trouble? Yeah, so and, and I, straight away I thought oh I must have another freckle or yeah um, somewhere that somewhere that's shown up. But because these scans, um, what you have is you get a you have a glucose injection into your body, and what happens is if you've got any tumors, it'll attract itself to the tumor, and okay. then when you go through when you go through the scanning machine, you get the results and it lights up in a sense, like a, a Christmas tree, because when you look at the scan, they're green, yep. these tumors. And he pulls up my body scans and shows that I've got four little, four little dots, two in each lung where um, they're about the size of a thumbnail. So at the time yeah. they're not that big, but you know, when he, when he mentions you've got tumors and one that they're in your lung mm. and two, um, there's four of them. It's like, well, gee, we're in a bit of trouble. So I guess when he says that, it's just like, right, We've got we've got some work to do here. It was so you go see your specialist was Sarah with you and stuff, or was it like something you just thought I'll just t- I'll turn up. I know it's not good news, but I'll, it's something I'll just I'll deal with, and then I'll pass on secondhand to your wife. First hand, for the first couple I was good because they were all clear, but then yeah. I got the the bad news that it was back, and then we had to come back the week later to work out what treatment was going to be. Now I, I had a I had a biopsy I think the week before where. They went in and they got one of the tumours just because I was like, well, can't we just chop them out? And they're yeah. like, Jared, if it keeps coming back, if we keep chopping out, there's going to be no lungs left. And it's yeah. just like, well, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so they went in, they got one of the tumours, worked out it was melanoma. And it was like, right, how are we going to attack this? So that's when Sarah came along. Um, we just, um, we'd sat there and, and said, right, what's the plan of attack? And, you know, when they mentioned one, that we're, we're thinking a trial to start off with. It's like, well... Yeah trial why are we thinking that when but at the same time you know i wasn't i wasn't off i wasn't against chemo and i wasn't against radiation and whatnot but when they said that they were having a positive effect with immunotherapy i was like well let's go for it when when they give you the advice and say this is what we're going to do you go with the professionals lucky decision you took um i'm very lucky that i had an oncologist and a nurse that suggested this this route now at the time for me mate it wasn't um accessible by the PBS. So yeah. I was very lucky enough. And you know, Jeff Harris to um, the Hawthorne Footy board. Club yep. board member, um, great man who helped me out financially to get this because at the time, as I said, it was on the PBS. So it was quite expensive to the point where they weren't allowed to make the drug until I was in the building. Right. So, do, do you know, do you know the figure? Uh, off the top of your head? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So if, if I was going to be on the, if I was on the, Drugs for two years, it was going to be north of 400 grand. Jesus. And in the end, Jeff Jeff paid a little bit. Hawthorne paid a little bit yeah. and I contributed as well. So, you know, I, I, that first game jumper that I played in, um, Jeff now has 
yeah. just purely for the fact that if it wasn't for him, mate, um, you know, who knows what would happen, whether it be That's incredible. financially with the house and stuff like this, but also with me even being here. So the fact that it's something small, but being able to give him that jumper was, was huge for me. And, and last one uh, on your on your cancer, and I, I don't know how to ask it, but I'm, I'll ask it in a probably Gippsland way. Um, You're right. Did you think you were fucked? Um, nah, nah. Nah, okay. Nah. I, purely, mate, because uh, one, I was never, you know, you're told you're in trouble, but you're yeah. never really told that. I was never given okay. a timeline. So, yeah, one, okay. that's good. Yeah. Um, and also, myself clicking into gear, it's like, why would I want to think that when I've got so much to look forward to? Yeah. And now, you know, three or four years down the track, it's like, life's so much better. So I, I remember, uh, I remember in the Scarborough house I was living in, and the W house I was living in in Perth, and the news broke over here, and, and I rang um, someone that we're we're mates with, and I went to the person who is pretty blunt and honest um, about what was going on, and I remember hitting, um, I, I, I reckon you probably guess um, he was a captain as well before Hodgie, <laughs> thinking uh, he, he'll tell me, yeah, you know, he's not Mitch doesn't beat around the bush. And I said, mate, what's rough story? Six, seven, eight weeks, when we'll see rough. And I remember Mitch saying, mate, park it. Like, he's got a full fight on his hands. Like, it's not yeah. it's not like the first. It's it's a full it's a full wrestle. And, geez, we're bloody lucky to still, um, you know, you're a champion of a, a guy, mate. And uh, it makes me smile because we'll, we'll divert back to some funnier times. Um, I was only talking to my old man the other day, rough about <laughs> you. He says to me that um, he's never been, mum and dad are still married, but he's never been closer to divorce than one day that you were involved in. Oh, don't say, don't, don't repeat this story. Is it the one down in Tasmania when, when dad had, so you might have something else, but dad was, dad had sworn to mum he was off the punt. Absolutely yeah, not. Phone call. Not punting, not doing anything. I've had enough. I'm not punting. So mum and dad had a, a Barney over the punt for a while. Anyway, and dad had given us a tip or two. I think, was it a tip yeah, or two? Yeah, um, in, inside 50. Yep. Yeah, and <laughs> and you went over and congratulated dad and thanked him and all this sort of stuff. Dad had flat batted. Dad was a night watchman and just could be like, rough, go, disappear. And you're like, mate, well done, congratulations. And mum was just like, what's he talking about, Jeff? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well now, mate, hind- uh, mate, we keep saying hindsight in this podcast. It's a wonderful thing. I was 22, I reckon, at the time, and I walk up to Jeff because, mate, you. Uh, the only reason this happened about because you borrowed 50 bucks from me and you said, I'll yeah. give it back to you with interest. That's right, because I, I, I couldn't tell you what I was going to do. Yeah. Um, I couldn't tell you what I was putting it on because it was a secret. I said, just give me 50 and I'll give it back. I'll give it back in a, in a, in a what or whatever. So yeah. I remember Dad saying he laughed. He was like, oh, I remember... I dodged and weaved my wife at six months and Ruffy brought it down within three minutes with a couple of congratulations. So, um, mate, mum and dad obviously obviously pass on their love and everything. But um, we'll keep pushing really quickly. Um, St Kilda, you're loving coaching. I'm, enjoy- I'm enjoying my role there, yeah. It's, it's, um, it's not quite coaching. I've got a bit of a broad uh, role where if I was to give you a business card X, it would say football operations assistant. Okay. So... Um, when when they first contacted me um, February last year and said, look, if, if you do finish up this year, we'd love to be front of the queue. This is the role we kind of see you doing, which was a little bit of admin, um, working with James Gallagher, who's a list manager, yep. um, head, not heading or chairing their, list, their leadership group meetings, but helping out Gears 
where I can um, and then working with the forward line and, and Max King because he's very similar to what we were, yeah. you know, 15 years ago. So, mate, I, I, the, the beauty of my role is that I've, I can, you know, be amongst four or five different roles, which has been great for me. And, you know, mate, they, I walk into their building every day and they've got one trophy that sits yeah. in, a, in a cabinet that you can't really see. So having that lure of hopefully winning a second premiership for them is, is huge for me. How good will King be? Oh, no, I can't tell the difference. I reckon they're both bloody going to be good. But yeah. how good do you reckon King will be? Because I'm fortunate that I had you and Bud who set a pace as a young keep that no one's reached and they're not going to get near it. So it's hard to go, oh, at the age of 20, um, Bud and Ruff kicked 50 and then at the age of yeah. 21 they kicked 175. So how good do you reckon in, in today's game will, will King mm-hmm. be? Well, if you were to say, right, like he has never played AFL footy and King right now sits seventh in the Coleman yeah. after 10 weeks. Um, he hasn't missed a game and he's playing his first full season of AFL footy off the back of a knee reco and a <laughs> syndesmosis ankle yep. injury. So, yep. And you look at his brother who got drafted as a defender. If you've got a bloke playing out of position in a forward line as a key forward for Gold Coast and a bloke leading St Kilda's forward line after only playing nine AFL games, really. Sky's the limit for these boys. Now, world's their oyster in a sense, but they've both got... Well, I haven't met Ben. I tried it just to max. I refer to him as number 34, just so I don't rub yeah. it into him. But yeah. he's been given, you know, number 12 at St Kilda, which is a great number. He's a, he's a great kid. You try and get on their level a little, a little bit, so I've got to work out what music he's into. Um, which is very much Strato's music, which... Okay, well, you've, you've got an entry. Just go to Strato and go, righto, mate, just give me a list and I'm going to put it on the gym and King will fucking no, love it. I'll go, I've got a USB and, go, and Strato <laughs> put 500 songs on it that goes for about five hours. So, you know, you hand it back and you say, mate, what do you think of the music? And he goes, geez, there's some heavy bangers on there. And it's just like, you just go... Yep, I oh, know mate. exactly what you mean. How good's the drop? That's what I always say. Yeah. How, 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 how big's the drop on that one? Um, People just tell me they're like they go they go talk about all this music. I'm just I just put it on Triple J or something like that. There's no yeah. ads and there's music with words in it. All right, Ruff, I've got a uh, I got some um, questions that came through over Instagram. I, I did throw out there any questions for um, for Ruffy that anyone would love to know. Now Nick Churko has hit me up and said, "What NBA player would you compare yourself to as a basketballer, and what NBA player would you compare yourself to as a footballer?" NBA player, well. I'd be more than one of those ones that just go sit in the corner and shoot threes. So okay. um, I watched the Rockets Rockets play today. Jeff Green. I was going to say Jeff Green. <laughs> I was going to say Jeff, Jeff Green. Jeff Green, the, he just sat in the corner and popped threes. And so if I was any, if I was a good shooter, I'd just do that. Yeah. So, um, but as a footy player, oh, gee, you can't really compare yourself, can you? Yeah, I was LeBron. It's, it's um, a weird sport. Oh, come on. <laughs> um, no, no. Are, you still, are you still rocking your Perth jerseys when you go to the Wildcats games at the jungle? It's funny. Can you remember that night the security grabbed me with you Mate. and they thought I was a fucking, I was a gate crasher and I just had my shoulder done as well. And I was like, no, I'm actually with these guys. I know I don't look like a footballer. I'm a nuffy. But and they tried to remember they tried to get me away from you, mate. You gotta remember, I I came in hot off the plane, so and it's three hours behind Perth at the time. Yeah. I was sideways. I was sideways too, and we shot hoops after it, and I had the big finger on my hand. Go cats, go cats, and then <laughs> and then we tried to walk along baseline, and they fucking grabbed my arm. Security pricks. <laughs> anyway, um, okay, so well for me, I was a, I'm a Manu Ginobili uh, on the court. Pretty crafty. No one asked that question to you, though, Xavier. Yeah, I know. Uh, Rory Redfern wants to know, uh, Ruff, you're famous for your post-grand final parties. 
Yeah. Who was best on ground? If you had to give your, your Norm Smith of your, your party's post-grand final, who, who would be the Norm Smith medalist? So if I went in years, um, Hill 13. Yep. Simkin, Simkin 14. Yep. And 15, probably Lake. Yeah, okay. Um, all, all different reasons. Joffa didn't even play in 14 and was probably best on. He didn't need to have a shower. He did not even. No, no, he didn't, play, he didn't play the game. Oh, which one did he play? He got dropped in fourteen for Cyril. Um, thirteen, he played in. Played but he su- sub, on, sub in. but he came in in thirteen, didn't he? And and played a sub, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so you so, win, win one, you lose one. Yeah. Um. All right, you, you're Hawthorne peak of their powers. You're down by a point in a grand final. Who are your best? Who are your three midfielders? You're putting in to a centre bounce. And who who who's winning the clearance? Uh, Mitchell Burgoyne Lewis. Mitchell wins it, gives a Burgoyne. Burgoyne hits a forward. Okay. Um, you? you? Uh, yeah, I'm going. I'm going to Mitchell every day of the week. I just it still stands out that prelim against Geelong. Was it a prelim? A prelim against Geelong where uh, you guys had your backs to the wall while I was there at the time. Um, we had our backs to the wall, and Mitchell won every centre clearance available. So, I don't know. I just love Mitch as a, as a player. He, he was outstanding. Um, you need a good ruckman. You need a good ruckman, though, X. Now, you got to remember, we like, Hayley and Maxi are unbelievable. Yeah. Um, but if we imagine if Hawthorne had a Nick Nat. Do you, all right, on that now, we, we, we'll divert quickly. Where do you see Nick Nat as a ruckman in the competition? I said today he's the best ruckman in the competition. And I've yeah. been I've been gone Grundy Nick for a long period of time. I think now I've gone Nick Daylight and then the other two. I, I if if Nick played the amount of game time that the other two play, we yeah. we wouldn't even be having this conversation. So he does what's required when it's required, and you only have to look at that first tap against Geelong. They played they played Geelong on Saturday night. Yeah, sh- I can believe shoey. the touch he had on his hand to Shuey. <laughs> yeah, like, that's crazy. Footy fans, we I mean we've played footy long enough, but to watch him just. Not even touch it and hit yeah. Shuey on the hit straight away. It's just like this bloke is is hands down the best ruckman. Yeah, and then and to, to cream on top when you've got Josh Kennedy, who's a a thirty three year old baby foal, crumbing and kicking goals. Um, yeah, no, I agree with you there. Uh, one from Sam: Who's the best Frosty Miller winner you've ever seen? He did go brackets um, that used to the 2013-2014. That's the bloke that signed at Subiaco and then left pretty quick to get a job with Essendon. Yeah, yeah, same bloke. And um, your, bro- your brother-in-law. So, yeah, if he if he pulls his finger out, he will be. Yep. So, yeah, I know the bloke you're talking about. So, it's Sam Grimley, who uh, he, your wife and his sister have been together for a long period of time. My wife and Sarah's sister. Your wife, sister. your wife's sister. Your wife's sister yeah. and Sam have Correct. been a little foursome for a long period of time. Sam Grimley, um, an absolute champion. But I gave him a clip a couple of weeks ago and I got a rap for that. I shouldn't have. I said something about his head or something. But anyway, Sam Grimley, an absolute. Would Sam Grimley be the best Frosty Miller winner in 2013 and 14? It was the only Frosty Miller winner in 13 14. Okay, Sam, that was your question and that's ticked off. Uh, <laughs> Rafa, you got a goal that stands out, your, your best goal you've ever kicked, and that's from Harry Fennell. Fennell. One, oh, one that the, I don't know, one that, grand final and final goals, but the, probably the one against Sydney um, that, that we, I think it's a draw at the time, um, 2017, so first year back, yeah. where I'm able to kick the goal from outside 50. That was That's a pretty good one. Have you got any regrets from football? Uh, from Steve Wilson. 
nah, nah, at nah. all, mate. If if you again, if you laid our careers out at the start of it, um, oh shit, I've got, I've, got, I've got a thousand. <laughs> Okay, if you laid my lay career your, again, lay yours said, would, out. You would you take this? Then yes, yeah. I reckon hands down, I'd take it every single time. Two hundred eighty-three games, five hundred seventy-two goals, captain, all Australian, Coleman Medal. Uh, you've got the works. I, I agree with that. What's your best goal? Question. Uh, my best goal. Well, is it the first goal in the granny of twelve? That was a good goal. Um, no, uh, I kicked. I, don't, I, don't, I played my first time I ever played against Hawthorne. Ever. Uh, West Coast down in Tassie. Down in Tassie. You kicked two. You I kicked, kicked two. two in like three minutes. I took a one-hander yeah. on Ryan Shulmake as a contested mark. And then the Second next one... The right of screen. Yeah, and then the next one, it was a hit out and I sharked it and Drew would run through from the boundary line. And honestly, so, so Cyril, I went back to the back line then and came off the back of the square and Cyril was half forward. And I said to Cyril, I said, I'm the white Cyril today, baby. And he's like, no, you're not, boy. <laughs> now, hold on. Was, was your first year 14? Yeah, 14. I think I kicked eight that day. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. And Luke Loudon, Luke Loudon ended uh, Dean, Dean Cox and Nick Nanu's careers with three hot dogs on them. Yeah, I know the game. I know the game quite well. Um, yeah, that 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 was that day. Uh, last two, mate. Uh, where have you been five years? Uh, yeah, good question. I'll be uh, hopefully higher up in the football department. Maybe um, maybe running a list management. Um, team at, at a footy club. We'll wait and see. You have to pick one bloke to have a beer with that you've played with through your career. Who do you reckon you'd have the best afternoon with? Oh, shit. That's a good question, isn't it? That's a great question. Can you pick five? Can I say, can I pick five? Oh, if you give me five, you have to give me a reason why. Why Why they're included. Okay. 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 This, this is why the five. Okay. So Franklin straight away because he's yeah. the first to text you for a beer. And he'll probably pay. And No, but you know he's the first to text you yeah. for a beer. Yep. Yeah, Franklin, in. Virtual in because you know as soon as you text him or as soon as you mention a beer, he's in. He'll drop everything, won't he? He'll, he'll drop yep. his grandma's yep. funeral. Goodbye. Yep. Yep. So this is this is a one. So this is one of – so this is a, a combination here is that you and Brown come for stories. Okay. <laughs> And entertainment, so it's a it's an Alice Brown combination. Yeah, one two punch. Yeah, so that's that's three of the five. Yeah. Um. So Brown Brown can do the first shift because we know he doesn't last long. Brown does the first shift, and, and then I, and then I'll come in. And you weren't one to say um, coming for a Bacardi Breezer. Yeah, no, I'll just have the normal stock standard, whatever else is having. We're not paying. No, but Brown Brown will have the Bacardi Breezer. Yeah, when you do a round of beers or whatever, and it's like, yeah, beer, 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 Bacardi, beer, beer. You're like, mate, just get a yeah. beer. Anyway, okay, so Brian Brownie split yeah. here. So you got Franco, um, uh, Birch, myself, and Dog. Uh, I'd have Dewey. Yeah, good, good one. Dewey, just again, um, great for for the boys and um, a bit of fun. And then one um, left field who you you're not. Um, I don't think you know him quite as well as the rest of us, but Sicily is one that I'd have in because he he would fit in with you guys, but also he has got no fear in terms of lip. So See, whether it be Franklin, Brown, okay. um, Birchall or, or Dewey even, like he'd go straight back at us. So Sicily, I, I, I came out at the start of the year and said Sicily would be the best defender in the competition by the end of the year. I might have gone early on that, but he is someone who's an absolute megastar. He could be a megastar of the competition, and he's good on the chat. Imagine if he was in our team, um, 
you know, five or six years ago. Yeah, no, 100% agree. Well, last one, I did say last one, but you mentioned someone. Uh, the question came through on Instagram and I didn't get their name and I do apologise. Uh, after 08, they reckon you and Dewey went away on a footy trip. Is that right? Uh, we went on the footy trip to Hong Kong. And then did you go on, did you go on anywhere else with Dewey? Yeah. How did he put on 15 kilos and you didn't was the question. Oh, I can't. Mate, we, the whole footy club, you know this, we came back with an extra person in body fat. I didn't. I couldn't walk. <laughs> My hip was still rude. Yeah, okay. If you, well, you would have had a Norm's medal if you didn't roll your ankle at the end of 08. So um, I think you still you won. You got the most touches of that day for us, didn't you? Oh, don't. Let's not do this. I, I, honestly, I see counsellors every week about this. <laughs> AFL record. Most marks in the history of the game in a grand final all going forward. Most kicks, most disposals. Yeah. And I'll tell you what. Yeah. I kicked it like And you're shit. saying that Franklin and I were on top of the world. At, you were 21. 20. 20. Oh, wait, 20. Yeah, you are. You're an 88 boy. Crew. Sorry. No, no. Mate, uh, tell no. me someone that's broken the record. No, nah, Nick Haynes last year going backwards. It killed me. Um, but no, no, I, I, I have confronted Hodgie. I have confronted Hodgie about this and said, look, mate, uh, where's my Norm Smith hanging? And... During COVID period where there was no football, the, the grand final was played on TV as a replay randomly because it, it was a good game. So I sat down and watched it, uh, and my memories weren't quite what the vision showed. Um, I, I didn't quite kick it as well as I thought I might have. So I'm happy, to, I'm happy to put the sword down that I didn't deserve it. Yeah, I was robbed. Ruffy, great to chat to you, mate. And, and as the opener said, uh, there's not too many people that when they walk into the room, uh, put a smile on everyone's face. You're the last person to talk about yourself. You're the first person to ask how you're going. Uh, and after a career of, you know, 570 plus goals, 280 odd games, you've done so much in football, much more than anyone that I'd ever stumbled across. And, and a Gippsland boy who always opened their arms for me and, and invited me in. One, congratulations on your career. And two, um, Mate, you're a bloody ripper, and uh, I look forward to seeing what you do in the future. Kick the footy out. Uh, you're going to be an unbelievable dad, and I look forward to seeing that more than anything. Thank you very much, X. I really enjoy your podcast, and I look forward to hearing about your impending birth soon. To, well, not yours, but M's. So, uh, mate, is, that a, is, that a, is that a jab at my weight or not? I, I'm telling you. Nah, 